Money FM 89.3, best of prime time. Now, most would agree that the pandemic and the exponential tech evolution that it spawned have made them realize that being able to thrive in an increasingly unpredictable environment is absolutely vital. Now, in an ambiguous and uncertain environment, workers, leaders and organizations as a whole need a new approach to not just survival, but innovation as well. McKinsey research shows that in past crises, companies that invested in innovation delivered superior growth and performance post-crisis. But what exactly is innovation and how can you achieve it? Well, in order to deliver all this, organizations and the people within them no doubt have to transform themselves in terms of operations as well as propositions while putting out fires in a crisis. This requires a great deal of agility. But instead of developing it only when a crisis hits, how can you make it part of your DNA as an individual and make it part of your organizational culture as well. In other words, how can you get comfortable with being uncomfortable in a volatile, uncertain, complex and ambiguous environment? Easier said than done. Corporate trainer, agile coach and senior managing partner at Lateral Solutions Consulting, Daniel Tiago, joins us now to help us out. Hi, Daniel. Hi, Biotech. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Daniel. Great to be talking to you after quite some time. And I understand oh, yes. <laughs> that you have evolved quite a bit since we last spoke. And who hasn't, right? COVID-19 did drive home the importance of being agile in the face of a crisis. So what, in your opinion, did the pandemic expose about the way many organizations actually worked pre-COVID? Uh, well, as a good way to start, Bharati, I think uh, the answer to the question, you should look back 2,500 years ago of the work of Sun Tzu in the Art of War. Oh, we're going that and far the, back, huh? I thought we might just go back to 2019, but okay. <laughs> and and the guiding statement that Sun Tzu made 2,500 years ago, um, he said that in the midst of chaos, there's also opportunities. And that basically surmises what Agile is all about. And um, to put it very simply, the pandemic has given us opportunities we did not ask for. I mean, think about it. How many of us would have even thought of attending online training, working from home, and uh, changing our way of life uh, because of the pandemic? And if you really think about it, uh, we are being Agile without even thinking about it. Yeah, because we were forced into it, right? But now, with countries coming out of the pandemic, to what extent is there a danger of people becoming comfortable again, so to speak, Daniel? I think uh, we have reached a stage whereby, you know, um, it's, it's human nature. I mean, we, we always go into a comfort zone, but uh, the pandemic has uh, opened up our eyes to new possibilities. And nowadays, you notice we are thinking about blended learning. We are talking about uh, working from home. And uh, I do know I work with organizations which are already now uh, thinking seriously to have a long-term plan on how to get their staff to maybe uh, have a kind of a hybrid way of working environment, sometime in the office, sometime in their home. Maybe. So mm. there, is a, there is a revolution that is coming on. And uh, we don't know what the future will be, but definitely we are in a worker situation uh, still now. And there is a lot of more opportunities to be agile. Mm. The thing is, Daniel, the word agile has become a buzzword. In practice, what are we really talking about? What are the various types of agility? 
<laughs> interesting question. Uh, I think uh, it's not only become a buzzword, it's become an overused and uh, abused word right now. Exactly. And so I usually hesitate to use it, but it sort of does <laughs> capture the spirit of the intention, right? The intention right. that the people who use it have. So explain this to us. How do you break it down for your right. clients? All right. Yeah, to put it simply, there's agile and there's pseudo-agile, which means <laughs> okay. false agile. So there are companies and organizations, individuals who claim they're agile, but when you look at their practices, they are more of pseudo-agile. They have the right terminology. They may even be uh, understanding the methods, right? But to practice agile, uh, fundamentally, to put it, it's a mindset change. Mm. It's something that you cannot just do it as by virtual practice. It has to run in your blood, and you have to practice it, and you have to embrace it right in every aspect of whatever you're doing. All right, so give me an example. Pseudo-agile versus truly agile. Uh, well, there is a process um, in Agile, uh, basically how you accept feedback, how do you make short iterative changes to what you're doing. And I know this is a far cry because uh, in some industries they say, hey, it's not possible. But basically how we can create a culture where you can fail safe, fail fast so they can succeed sooner. That's what they, they always uh, advocate in being Agile. So creating a safe environment where people can be unsafe and they can course correct along the way. Mm. Again, a whole slew of buzzwords and buzz phrases, Daniel. I've been hearing this for years. So talk to us about putting it into practice for real. Putting it into practice, uh, there are different types of agile. Um, uh, uh, I mean, it'll take a whole hour to go through it, but to put it very simply put, uh, there are basically five types of agility, although some advocate is nine, some say ten. But the five that you may want to consider uh, to the listeners out there, the first one being uh, what we call analytical agility. How do you analyze what you are thinking uh, and being being agile about it? The other one is operational agility, as the word as the word suggests, right? Uh, in your operation, how can you be agile? The third one is in what we call inventive agility. I mean, as the problem comes along, how quick are you in finding a solution that solve the problem and can move on? And the fourth one is communicative agility in communicating uh, with your colleagues, with your partners, your customers, and everyone else. And the finally is visionary agility, the kind of vision you have for the future. So if you're looking at all those buzzwords, right, these are the five that you may want to sort of like focus on right, to be agile. Okay, so how do I get there? Once I'm aware of all of these things, how do I actually cultivate that mindset as an individual? We'll talk about organizations in just a moment. How does one cultivate that as an individual, Daniel? Uh, well, um, for a start, uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, being agile is not just a methodology, it's a mindset. And when we talk about mindset, it's a kind of an experimental mindset. So you may want to cultivate this by uh, attending a course on Agile. And uh, thanks to the government support, there's a lot of uh, organizations out there that is having a very intensive program at Agility that anyone can sign up for so that you've got some fundamentals of what Agile is all about. And secondly is to, as I mentioned, to develop an experimental mindset. That means creating a safe environment where you know you and your team can try, make mistakes, and um, you can course correct. In, in, without fear. And thirdly, uh, agility is how fast are you able to collaborate with teams uh, and organizations. Right? And that means, try where, where possible, don't go it alone. 
in the sense that don't try to do everything by yourself. Right? You can sort of like uh, delegate, empower others who may be far better in doing it. So the key to it is self-leadership or sometimes a combination of self-leadership and servant leadership, which uh, will guide you to becoming an agile practitioner. Let's talk about leadership because... Even research shows that you shouldn't wait for agility to happen bottom-up. Organization leaders need to take charge. How can organizations and leaders make these mindsets, for example, the experimental mindset that you talked about earlier, and actions part of organizational DNA? What are the structures and so on that they need to implement? Uh, pretty simply, you know, when we talk about leadership, there are different forms of leadership. So uh, I would say that uh, if you were to narrow down the scope, you can compare what is called autocratic leadership uh, as compared to consultative leadership. And agility is all about trying to move towards consultative leadership. That means you may be a leader of a team or organization, but you are more what you call a first among equals, which means to say that uh, as an agile leader, you need to help your team to self-organize. And solving problems is not your job, it's the job of the team. So you become a bit of a coach and a facilitator in, in guiding your team to see how they can come up with uh, some strategies to find solutions to their problem. And your role is fundamentally to see how much you can give them the support, try to remove impediments that uh, prevent them from achieving their, their objective and solution. That's the, that's the, that's the, that's the, it's a kind of a mindset change. That's the thing, Daniel. You mentioned earlier that a lot of organizations call themselves agile, but they don't really know what it means. And what you just described actually does require leadership at the top to realize the need for it and then to start putting in place the mechanisms to allow for it to happen. So what would you tell organizations that at this point are resistant to change, which is something I think we're still seeing in spite of the crisis that we've been through? Um, well, I suppose, uh, you know, uh, there's always a, what you call an expiry date. And sooner or later, organizations which are resistant to the concept of agile, they are going to um, go down the wrong road and they may just hit a blank wall. Already. So they can't avoid uh, being agile. Um, so it's a matter of time. I suppose in that respect, the pandemic has uh, done us a favor. It has accelerated the process. So uh, organizations and uh, people in organizations have come to realize the need for agility. And there's a lot of literature on it online, thanks to the internet. And uh, there's a lot of courses available, right? So the, the message is getting across. Like you just mentioned, Bharati, earlier, the buzzword. Mm. Uh, perhaps what we what the organizers need to do is to see where they can sieve out all those content and try to see how they can use agility in context as compared to the organization. So that's one way of moving forward. Uh, but I think uh, in, at least I would say in the next decade, you can afford not to know about agile or practice agile because. Uh, that's almost like spelling a death knell to the organization. Here's another buzzword, innovation. <laughs> so I've seen a lot of meetings where bosses go in and tell all their staff, we need to be innovative. But there's nothing within the organization that actually encourages innovation, that inspires it and then actually affirms it after it is achieved. So tell me more about the link to innovation here. Right. I think uh, it's first and foremost understanding uh, what exactly innovation is. So I'm going to ask you back a question, Parati. Mm. You obviously have a washing machine at home. And the question is, you know, your washing machine has a lot of functions. 
But after some time, do you actually use all those functions or you just reduce it to one or two functions? Mm, I think you know the answer, Daniel. We do, right? We do narrow it down. Yeah, That's right. So the question is this, you know, uh, washing machines are manufactured with lots of functions, but you look at the practice of people, uh, how many of these functions are actually using it? So the question is, what, what problem are they solving? And that's the situation. So when you talk about innovation, innovation is fundamentally, in this context today, is solving real-world problems and solving problems from the customer perspective. And if you look at it, very few organizations do that. They are trying to solve problems from their perspective of what they see customers need, and they are pushing down their innovation to customers, telling them, hey, this is my innovation. You have to accept it. It's good for you, right? And they're trying to uh, give reasons as to why customers cannot live without this. So, you know, <laughs> right. in, uh, in organization perspective, uh, in agility, uh, I, 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 as, a, as a trainer, this is one, uh, in the, uh, one piece of information I share with my participants. I ask them to always hold out their hand and tell them, pinch yourself. Because if you really want to apply agility to innovation, you need to become thick skin. Hmm. That means you need to get customer feedback, good or bad. You need to see exactly what is irritating your customers, what is it that customers really want. And then try to come up with things that serve the customer's perspective, not your perspective. Mm. So when you talk about innovation, it's just not about agility. Agility may be a buzzword, but it's also something where you have to integrate uh, being agile with good critical thinking and design thinking skills. So these are all those things that uh, basically uh, pushes things forward. Right, right. That iterative approach is very important as well. If you're listening to your customers, you need to be willing to go back to the drawing board and not resist that. Daniel, finally, maybe share one case study of an organization that has managed to invest in innovation. As I mentioned earlier, research does show that companies that invest in innovation during a crisis do deliver superior growth and performance post-crisis. A company that has managed to do this while being agile. Um, if you look at the roads in Singapore and many parts in the world, uh, the one particular car that you see most often is Toyota, because Toyota eat and breathe uh, agility easy. And uh, you could see that uh, they are surviving much better as compared to many other automobile brands. And they are able to act quickly before, uh, before the pandemic and during the pandemic and even after the pandemic. Um, that, that's, that's one example of it. Um, and if you look at a company like Lego, I mean, Lego is some, uh, at one time, it's a, it's a toy that is related to children's learning. And uh, Lego has also redefined themselves. And you notice now, uh, Lego is used in what they call serious play to solve real-world problems right, by building models. So this is just two extreme examples I'm giving you, but there's a lot more. There's a lot more out there uh, where organizers being agile and they are moving forward and they're not sort of disrupted by pandemic. They just use the pandemic like what I said earlier. Mm. It's a crisis, but it's a, it's a chaos, but there's always opportunities down there. Right. I mean, we just heard that Toyota has tripled its EV investment in the U.S. That's and right, yeah. Of course, yeah. there's been some criticism that they didn't move fast enough, but I think we get the idea. Thank you very much for that, Daniel. Daniel Tiago, corporate trainer, agile coach, and senior managing partner at Lateral Solutions Consulting. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.